This week on Not Sam Wrestling, we've got a lot to talk about. Tyson Fury is even more famous than ever. And what does that mean for WrestleMania? The Bellas are officially going into the Hall of Fame. NXT is 10 years old. And what happens if Goldberg beats The Fiend at Super Showdown? This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Welcome. Happy Monday. Happy Not Sam Wrestling Day. I hope everybody's doing good. Here at the most important time to be a wrestling pontificator, deep into WrestleMania season comes episode 279 of Not Sam Wrestling. Thank you all for rolling with us as long as you have. And even if this is your first week, thank you for being a part of it. Of course, you can join us over on Patreon. You can uh, listen to a second show every week. Every Thursday, we drop a second show exclusively on Patreon. Look, as I'm sitting here, coming off of SmackDown, I think there's something important that we need to talk about. Coming off of SmackDown, my brain started turning in my head, and that can be dangerous. That can be troubling for a lot of different reasons, but still, it's necessary to do, and it's something that I'd like to, I'd like to hash out with all of you this week. Look, I know already. Don't get started. I, I, I can't believe that I have to put a, 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 a trigger warning in front of this whole thing. I understand that some of you will hear this and you will think to yourselves, he's shilling again. My God, to the depths of the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts, his shilling ways. Do they know no bounds? Are there no ends to the limits to which he will shill? I mean, the answer is no. I will shill as long as I have air in my lungs to breathe. However... That's not what this is, okay? SmackDown closed with Goldberg in the ring. Bill Goldberg in the ring on SmackDown. Big moment. Lights go out. Fiend. I'm sorry, the lights didn't go out. Fiend was right behind Goldberg while the promo was playing. Goldberg knew it was going to happen. Goldberg spears the Fiend. Goldberg moves to the opposite corner of the ring. The Fiend gets up after the spear. They're staring down each other. Goldberg getting ready to do another spear. I think we were all thinking the same thing, thinking the the Fiend was going to catch Goldberg mid-spear into a Sister Abigail kiss on the forehead, the whole deal. But boom, the lights go out, the Fiend disappears, and Goldberg is left standing by himself in the ring. As we head to this Thursday for the Super Showdown, and the Universal Championship is on the line, It's Goldberg versus The Fiend. And I'm seeing tweets. I hear everybody. Please, for the love of God, do not let The Fiend lose to Goldberg. Please, after everything that we have invested in The Fiend, do not ruin everything. Ruin Bray Wyatt. Ruin The Fiend. Ruin all of our collective lives by having Bill Goldberg and the Fiend's universal title streak. 
You know, the Fiend is a very interesting character. I don't think when the Fiend had what I believe was his first match in August at SummerSlam, you know, I don't think when Bray Wyatt came back and started doing the Firefly Funhouse uh, vignettes and we saw the Fiend in the ring for the first time, and I don't think the plan was to put the Universal Championship on him right away, especially have Seth Rollins lose to him. But it only took August, September, October. It took two, two and a half months for the WWE to realize they got something different with The Fiend and put the Universal title on him. And you know what's amazing? The Fiend never wrestles on TV. Sometimes he's not even on TV. But there's something about that character that makes it a lot more palatable for him to be holding the Universal Championship to the point where most fans don't want to see him lose that title. Don't ever, to Goldberg or anybody else. This is a conversation I had about The Fiend very early on in the career of this character. And that is that this is, number one, he's not a heel by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, you go to the merch booths at, at venues, you look at WWE shop, and you buy a ticket to go to a, a wrestling show, and you buy one for your kid, too. The kid's going to want to go to the merch stand. What's he going to see? Fiend mask. Fiend gloves. Fiend t-shirt. Little bunny puppets. There's a Vince McMahon puppet on WWE Shop. I mean, the Fiend is moving merchandise hand over fist. And oh yeah, nobody boos him. I mean, it made The Miz look completely absurd when he was just standing there angrily as the entire crowd cheered for Bray Wyatt, I believe at TLC. And he wasn't even in the Fiend outfit. The Fiend is an untraditional good guy like the WWE has never seen. As I've said before, the way horror franchise monsters are. In the Friday the 13th series, nobody actually wants to see Jason Voorhees gets killed. Realistically speaking, Jason Voorhees is a good guy. Nobody really wants to see Freddy Krueger get killed and Nightmare on Elm Street. He has to just for the story to be told. But nobody really wants to see it. Nobody sits there going like, oh, I hope that the camp counselor, I hope that this girl from this town who keeps falling asleep, I hope they win. Nobody wants them to win. That's why the people that win and beat the villains are never around for the sequel. But the monsters are. Nobody actually wants to see Laurie Strode beat Michael Myers. And that's the most clear case, right? Laurie Strode is theoretically the biggest baby face in the history of film. But if we as an audience were given a choice, either Laurie Strode can survive or Michael Myers can survive. First of all, we would want both of them to survive because we want this battle to go on for as long as possible. But nobody really wants to see Jamie Lee Curtis kill Michael Myers. It's the same thing with The Fiend. Nobody wants to see this guy lose because he's too much fun to watch. He is the living embodiment of a horror film. So there is this fear. I think the majority of people don't actually believe that Goldberg will beat The Fiend. It's, there's not much of a story going into this thing. You know, Goldberg just showed up on SmackDown via Skype three weeks ago, said he was watching the Royal Rumble, and it seemed like a good idea to fight The Fiend, and now we're going to do it at Super Showdown. So, I mean, you know, the SmackDown segment was cool and I think very much needed, but it's not like there's this rich history going into this thing. It, it does seem like it's just a big match being put on because... 
pay-per-views like Super Showdown require big money matches. However, it's Goldberg. There's a very real possibility. While most people think that The Fiend will probably win, everybody also knows that you can't sit there and say, well, obviously Goldberg won't, because he might. I mean, people said that about Kev when he had a match with Kevin Owens. They certainly said that about his first match with Brock Lesnar. And Goldberg won those matches. That's what changed everything. So what I'm here to do today is to cope with the idea that Bill Goldberg might win the Universal Championship from The Fiend at Super Showdown and how we can spin it into a good thing. I am not advocating for it, although the more I thought about it and the way I saw it playing out, the more I was like, it actually might be better. But I am not advocating, although it will be spun, and people will say, I stopped listening to Sam's podcast after he said that Goldberg should beat The Fiend. Then stop listening. <laughs> I don't care, because that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, I am an eternal optimist. I watch WWE, and I don't like watching things that I don't enjoy. So oftentimes, in scenarios like this, what I will do is I will look uh, at all, like a lawyer looks at all sides of the argument, right? If you're a defense lawyer, you have studied any argument that a good defense lawyer studies any argument that the prosecution might have. And they figure out what that argument is and they argue it with themselves to the point where they can effectively beat themselves arguing the prosecution's case. And that means they're ready to go into that courtroom. What I do is I go, okay, this is what I want to happen. But let's say the thing that I want to happen doesn't happen. How do I not sit there and go hashtag cancel WWE Network? Because that's what, today, that's what I want to talk about. What happens if Goldberg does beat The Fiend? Do you tweet hashtag cancel WWE Network? No, let's be honest. We're not canceling WWE Network before WrestleMania. It's the dumbest time in the world to cancel WWE Network. So that's not going to happen. Instead, we have to look at this in a positive way. Goldberg and The Fiend walk in to Saudi Arabia to Super Showdown. Again, I think The Fiend is going to win the match. And I think that that was more evident to me on SmackDown when Goldberg was the one looking strong. Goldberg left SmackDown looking strong with all the offense. Usually when they paint somebody to be more of an underdog, they end up winning at the pay-per-view. That's just one of those things that happens. So, but again, I don't know how I, I'd put money on it. I don't know how much money I'd put on it. I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't bet the house on it. So, it might not be that bad, though, if Goldberg beats The Fiend. I know. You're throwing up already. There's vomit all over your car. If you're on the treadmill right now, just make sure you're puking on your own treadmill, not on your neighbor's treadmill. I can't believe he's saying this. Look, it might not be that bad if Goldberg beats The Fiend and becomes the Universal Champion. And here's why. If The Fiend walks into WrestleMania 
If The Fiend beats Goldberg, we would have to assume he's going to walk into WrestleMania as Universal Champion. I can't see a scenario where The Fiend beats Goldberg at Super Showdown and then goes on to lose it at Elimination Chamber and goes, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. So we have to assume if The Fiend beats Goldberg, he's going to WrestleMania as champion. If The Fiend is going to WrestleMania as champion, I've got to believe that Roman Reigns would be his opponent. Now, an interesting scenario that somebody who will remain nameless painted for me was, imagine if they did Roman Reigns, Baron Corbin, The Fiend. And I went like, yeah. And he went, wait, wait, wait. Like, bear with me here. I understand. Roman Reigns versus Baron Corbin. They even had to acknowledge it on SmackDown that it's been the better part of six months. And this match at Super Showdown is the last match. The cage match at Super Showdown is the last one they're doing. Okay. The reason that Baron Corbin is in the match is because you could then have many different results and have it go 100 different ways. You could have Baron Corbin pin Roman Reigns, thus getting the Universal title off The Fiend, still having all those boos, but having them targeted in a right direction. You could have Roman Reigns beat Baron Corbin. You could have The Fiend beat Baron Corbin. You know, I mean, there's just many different ways you could do it. So I'm like, okay, that's not, you know, that that is a way of getting out of Tampa without destroying everything. But odds are you're looking at a Roman Reigns Fiend Universal Championship match at WrestleMania. I think that Roman Reigns has to be in the Universal Championship match at WrestleMania. And, I mean, my preference is always a one-on-one. It could be a triple threat, but I always prefer a one-on-one, especially major title match. Um, I think that the Roman Reigns has to be in that match because Roman Reigns has been kept out of the title picture ever since returning from, uh, from, from cancer. He went away as, I believe, as... WWE champion, he went away as champion, had to put the title down. And since coming back, he hasn't been in the title picture. And that has to be for a reason, right? That has to be because when he is in the title picture, we want to make it count. And if he's not in the title match at WrestleMania, I think we now have gotten to a place where we're like, oh, maybe Roman Reigns is not the biggest star on the roster anymore. Up until WrestleMania, we could say, well, they're just waiting. They're just waiting. But once we get to WrestleMania, if he's not challenging for the Universal Championship, well, then maybe Roman Reigns is not the superstar that we thought he was. So that's why I think he has to be in the Universal Championship match. Um, I think that it's a very unique situation because it doesn't have to be, nor do I think it should be or will be the main event of the show. I think that the match that you go on last with this year— has to be Brock Lesnar versus Drew McIntyre. It's the match that I think people are actually excited about seeing. You've got a bad guy that people are booing. You've got a good guy that people are cheering. Should Drew McIntyre win the WWE Championship from Brock Lesnar, you're crowning a new good guy face of at least a brand, if not the entire company, in Drew McIntyre for the first time. And I think people are actually behind it. That's the visual you want to go off with. Uh, you know, I, I I just don't see any other match coming close to deserving to go on last besides Drew McIntyre and Brock Lesnar. But what that means is you could do a lot with the universal title picture. That's a match that you can put on 
You could technically open the show with it the way they did with Seth and Brock uh, last year. But you could also put it on halfway through the show like you did with Kofi and Brian uh, uh, last year. You know what I mean? There, there's a million things you could do. It doesn't have to be that bow that you're putting on the pay-per-view, which I think lets us get away with a lot. It means that if Roman Reigns is fighting for the universal title at the end of WrestleMania in the last match, then ideally what you want to see is Roman Reigns holding up the title and everybody cheering. But I don't see that happening even this year. And I especially don't see that happening if Bray Wyatt is his opponent. I don't think if The Fiend goes to WrestleMania as the champion and he faces Roman Reigns, I don't think that that stadium is going to want to see Roman Reigns beat The Fiend. And I don't think that the people watching at home on the WWE Network are going to want to see Roman Reigns beat The Fiend. But at the same time, I don't know how productive it would be for WWE to have The Fiend beat Roman Reigns. The more I think about The Fiend versus Roman Reigns, the more I think that it's kind of a no-win situation. You know, I mean, unless you want to tell a story where Roman Reigns gets beat by The Fiend and you can do that because it's halfway through the pay-per-view, not the last match, and Roman Reigns now has to spend the next four months, three months trying to figure out how to beat The Fiend and eventually we get to a place where he can beat The Fiend. I guess that's possible. But I don't know if WrestleMania is the venue for that. And I don't know if that's what you want to do with Roman Reigns. Look, if Goldberg beats The Fiend at Super Showdown, number one, it's probably the best environment for it because I think on that show, the audience is probably going to be responding to Goldberg most favorably just because he's such a big star. And I think uh, the audience at a show like Super Showdown probably really values that. So I feel like that would be the best case scenario to get that reaction. You could say they would never switch the Universal Championship at an international pay-per-view, but they did when The Fiend beat Seth Rollins. You could also say that if Goldberg were to beat the Fiend, that it would destroy everything you've created with Bray Wyatt. And I mean, that's definitely an argument you could make. But it's not necessarily true. When Bray Wyatt and The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, and Seth Rollins went to a no contest at Hell in a Cell, and then The Fiend got right up, right? So the match went to a no contest because Seth Rollins was about to crush the Fiend's skull. And the referee wouldn't let it happen. So he said, I'm just going to call this match off even though we're in Hell in a Cell. And Seth can't pin the Fiend, but I'm just going to call the match off. And then right when the match was called off and it was over, the Fiend just got right up. And he got right up in a way that made it seem like he could have gotten up earlier. It was maybe... The dumbest move in canon that I've ever seen a character make. Why would The Fiend play possum until his opportunity at the Universal Championship had officially ended and then get up? Why would The Fiend not get up right before the referee called the match off to make sure that he didn't lose his opportunity at the Universal Championship? 
This match wasn't just about winning or losing. It was about walking out with the title. And when the referee calls it a no contest, you don't get to leave with the title. So the fact that The Fiend allowed the match to end, even though he was playing possum, which resulted in him not being the champion, made me go, what is this, Fiend, an idiot? Like, what? that doesn't make any sense. However, it didn't damage The Fiend long term. If anything, The Fiend is stronger now than he ever has been as a character. You know why? One simple rule. We don't talk about Hell in a Cell. That's it. We don't talk about Hell in a Cell. How many times has Hell in a Cell come up since Hell in a Cell happened? Seldom and never since The Fiend won the Universal title uh, uh, against Seth Rollins after Hell in a Cell. It never came up again. The entire time The Fiend has been Universal Champion, Hell in a Cell with Seth Rollins never, ever comes up. After Super Showdown, you still have five or six weeks to build towards WrestleMania. You still have the ability for The Fiend to come out on SmackDown, lay somebody out, have that person be a scared of The Fiend, and have six weeks or so to make The Fiend look scary leading into WrestleMania. And you know what you do in those six weeks? You never talk about Super Showdown, ever. You don't, Goldberg never mentions who he beat for the title. The Fiend never mentions that he was once champion. Super Showdown, as a pay-per-view, never comes up in conversation. And the last three weeks of Goldberg and The Fiend going back and forth on promos, including The Fiend's NWO parody, none of it ever gets mentioned. Why? Because we don't talk about Hell in a Cell, and we don't talk about Super Showdown. And you know what? People love The Fiend so much that I believe they will put up with it. I think in the short term, people will be upset and think this is ridiculous. But within three weeks, maybe even less, people will follow whatever story is being told. If it is a good story, if it is a bad story, then people will just go back to being like, well, why did he lose to Goldberg? But if there is a good story coming off the Goldberg loss immediately, and we never talk about Super Showdown ever again, and Goldberg as Universal Champion is just simply, hey, this is the guy who's Universal Champion. Who did he beat? I don't remember. It doesn't matter. We don't talk about all stuff. If that's your attitude, you could theoretically do this without hurting The Fiend, okay? So that's how you get away with not hurting The Fiend. You just don't talk about when he lost. The same way we don't talk about Hell in a Cell, and because of that, it hasn't hurt The Fiend. Number two, as I said, if The Fiend walks into WrestleMania as champion and Roman Reigns beats The Fiend, Roman will get booed. I do not believe that Roman Reigns will get booed if he beats Goldberg. I think the Super Showdown crowd will probably be happy to see Goldberg. I think that the WrestleMania crowd in Tampa will be happy to see him lose. Goldberg doesn't have to wrestle between now and WrestleMania. Roman Reigns can go to the Elimination Chamber. He can win the Chamber. And you can go to WrestleMania 
with Goldberg versus Roman Reigns. And I know you're rolling your eyes going, what kind of main event is Goldberg versus Roman Reigns? It's not the main event. The main event is Drew McIntyre versus Brock Lesnar. You've got your matches. You got Drew McIntyre versus Brock Lesnar. You got Shayna Baszler versus Becky Lynch. These are all theoretically, of course. You got Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte. You got other matches that you can highlight and say, this is why I'm excited. I don't think anybody is going to go into WrestleMania going, I'm excited for WrestleMania because Roman Reigns versus Bill Goldberg. However, Roman's from Tampa, I believe. I think that people will be excited to see Roman Reigns have his moment of glory at the expense of Bill Goldberg. I don't think anybody wants to see Roman Reigns have his moment of glory at the expense of The Fiend. I think everybody would prefer, or most people would prefer, Roman having his moment of glory at the expense of Bill Goldberg, who kind of makes people roll their eyes anyway, if he were champion. Okay? So already in my head, I'm going, I don't know. The Roman Reigns-Goldberg match might be a better WrestleMania match for all parties involved. But then you go, so you're telling me that The Fiend, after all this, is just going to get washed up? No, I didn't say that. You didn't let me finish, okay? I said that The Fiend could immediately start a new story after Super Showdown. And the name of the story would be, we don't talk about Super Showdown. And it would be against somebody that can distract from Super Showdown. Let me take a second to talk to you guys. You know, people come up to me all the time. They go, Sam, you got a podcast, you got a SiriusXM show, you got a YouTube show, you're on WWE Network, you're all over the place. And oh yeah, you got a family that you're hanging out with all the time. Where do you find the energy? How can I get as focused? How can I stay in the zone the way you do? I don't know. You know what might help? Focal, F-O-C-L, focal. I'm talking about Focal's brain-boosting formula that combines CBD and five stress-fighting botanicals. You could use it before a workout to get in the zone, and I know you're sitting there going like, Sam, you don't even work out. Yes, I do, and my deadlift would impress you. Ahead of a big meeting to chill out and focus, or when the afternoon slump hits, Focal will give it to you. Look, stress And worrying about everything else that you don't have any control over is always going to slow you down. And sometimes you need some assistance. Focal is that person. You're sitting there going, how can I figure out what the card is going to be for WrestleMania weeks and weeks in advance when WWE isn't giving me any hints and I'm so busy and I got everything else in the world on my mind and I'm trying to fantasy book WrestleMania. You want to fantasy book WrestleMania properly? Maybe try using Focal. Get your brain right. Get your brain chemistry together. You can fantasy book WrestleMania, and then you can still go to work and be an all-star. Because that's my rule. If you want to dive headfirst into one of these hobbies of yours, which we all do, you have to shine in the workplace. You have to shine in your personal life. If you're knocking it out of the park in your personal life, and you are knocking it out of the park at work, then you are allowed to be as invested as you want to in this world of professional wrestling. But in order to have the energy to be invested into this world of professional wrestling and be super focused at work, be super focused in your personal life, focal is the type of thing that you need. Look, 
Just look up the ingredients of Focal on Google. F-O-C-L. Easy. Focal stacks uh, adaptogens and botanicals. I don't know what this stuff means. I just know that the stuff is good. So the effects build on top of each other, giving you that little extra boost that you need to not just make it through the day, but to conquer it. And the best part about Focal is that you can find nature's best cognitive enhancers all in one place with third-party lab testing so you know that you're taking the highest quality ingredients. Focal is also vegan, non-GMO, and true ID certified. Best part of all, I'm going to get you some money off this stuff. Go to Focal.com, F-O-C-L.com, and use code NOTSAM15 for 15% off your order. That's F-O-C-L.com, code NOTSAM15 for 15% off your order. And if you don't like it, they have a 60-day money-back guarantee. It's going to help you focus. It's going to help you get in the zone. One more time, F-O-C-L.com, and use code NOTSAM15 for 15% off. The night after Super Showdown, SmackDown, this Friday, John Cena is making his return. Here's how The Fiend could survive losing his universal title to Goldberg. As John Cena comes out, and I believe SmackDown's in Boston, to talk to his Boston people, ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. The lights go out one section after the other, and The Fiend comes out, and he lays out John Cena. Now, I think in order to pull this off beautifully, John Cena should not come out in his jorts. I think we should see movie star John Cena come out. I think we should see James Corden, Jimmy Fallon, John Cena come out. I think we should see John Cena come out looking like he's in Boston to promote Fast and the Furious 9, which really doesn't come out until May, so why would he be on SmackDown? But we don't, again, let's not ask too many questions here. But looking like he's, you know, he's just there to promote John Cena-ism, which he might be. And then have The Fiend lay out John Cena? If The Fiend lays out John Cena on SmackDown, and all we're doing is putting over what a big deal The Fiend is and making him look like a million bucks as John Cena is left laying, and we are not even talking about the Universal Championship. Like, what have we got to SmackDown and early in the show acknowledge that Goldberg is the Universal Champion? Goldberg's not even on the show. Roman's, he could be on the show, but there's not even a conversation with him. Or maybe he comes out and just brags about beating uh, Baron Corbin or whatever. We don't even talk. We could do SmackDown without even talking about the Universal Championship. And then we don't even, we assume that Bray is still on, you know, on the plane coming from Saudi Arabia or whatever. He's not on the show. Only to find out that he is there and he lays out John Cena. At WrestleMania 30, Bray Wyatt had a match against John Cena. And I don't think it did for Bray Wyatt what it was supposed to. In the short term, it put him on that pedestal. But in the long term, it was the beginning of a series of losses that did irreparable damage to the Bray Wyatt character, so much so that he had to disappear and come back as this being that you see before you. 
There's history there at WrestleMania. Six years later, six years later, maybe it's time for The Fiend to exact some revenge on John Cena. Now, John Cena, you know, obviously hasn't been announced as having a match at WrestleMania. Who knows if he will have a match at WrestleMania? There's rumors. I think uh, David Meltzer was saying that there was talks of Elias versus John Cena, which doesn't make any sense other than they had a confrontation last year at WrestleMania, but Elias is a good guy now. So I, you know, and he's also not as big a star as he was last year. So, you know, you could get there, but I think if you had The Fiend versus John Cena, you've got a match that is so big that, again, we can divert our attention away from, what do I want to watch? Why would I want to watch Roman Reigns versus Goldberg? Yeah, it doesn't matter, cynical Susan. Relax. You got The Fiend versus John Cena happening over here. Any wrestling fan that says, I really don't want to see The Fiend versus John Cena in 2020 can jump off a cliff, okay? Because I don't, I don't understand that thinking whatsoever. You don't want to see John Cena in 2020 come back and have a match against The Fiend? You're out of your mind, okay? It's crazy talk. And it all sets up perfectly, and all the pieces are in line. But in order to get to where we need to get, The Fiend would need to lose to Bill Goldberg. If The Fiend lost to Bill Goldberg, we've got a WrestleMania, theoretically, that could be Drew McIntyre versus Brock Lesnar, Shayna Baszler versus Becky Lynch, Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte, John Cena versus The Fiend, Roman Reigns versus Bill Goldberg. I mean, come on. Who knows what's going on with Tyson Fury and Braun Strowman? I mean, that was another big story. Tyson Fury this weekend became even more famous than he has been, by, by tenfold more famous. Knocking out Deontay Wilder, nobody thought that he was going to. A lot of people didn't even think he was going to win the match, the fight, whatever you want to say in boxing. But he knocked him out. He had a, a spectacular entrance looking like Baron Corbin coming in. He licked his opponent's blood off of his opponent's shoulder. I mean, it was the craziest thing you ever you ever saw, but the whole world was and is talking about it. It is the sporting event that people are starting this Monday morning discussing. The fact that Tyson Fury remains undefeated, the lineal champion in the sport of boxing. And he took down an opponent who was also undefeated and knocked him out. I think that if the WWE can put the funds together, and I believe that they will, I think it's a given that we're going to see some Tyson Fury involvement at WrestleMania. At this point, I believe it's probably Tyson Fury's decision. If we don't see Tyson Fury at WrestleMania, it'll be because for some reason he doesn't think it's a good idea. But I would have to imagine that he's not going to be fighting again for a little while. You know, we, we don't have a boxers fighting once a month. So I think now is good timing. You got six weeks. You can learn a couple more moves than you knew uh, the first time when you went in to have the match with Braun Strowman. And Braun Strowman did go on Twitter to ask if uh, Tyson Fury wanted a shot at the Intercontinental Championship. Of course, Tyson Fury and Braun Strowman had their match. 
was not a very good match, but it's Tyson Fury, man. You get Tyson Fury in the ring, you got eyeballs on, you know what I mean? Uh, and now more than ever. Tyson Fury showed up the next night or two nights or whenever it was on the next episode of SmackDown and decided to uh, uh, make a truce. He and Braun Strowman were now friends, and maybe some other time they would do some kind of a tag team thing. So Braun tweeting and saying, hey, you want a shot at the Intercontinental Championship? Look, I get it. That's a big position for Braun Strowman to be in. You know, if you got if it's Braun Strowman versus Tyson Fury, the guy, the Tyson Fury of now, not the Tyson Fury of six months ago, and you're doing it at WrestleMania, yeah, that's a huge match and a huge money match. That's the type of match where you're going to be doing, you're going to be on ESPN, you're going to be on local sports news, you're going to be everywhere. So I get why Braun Strowman is doing it. Um, I would probably prefer to see Tyson Fury in some kind of a tag team situation. You know, I don't know what team would be big enough. I don't know if you would do, I mean, based on the fact that Braun Strowman is in a rivalry with the uh, Sami Zayn faction, I guess the move to do would be Braun and Tyson Fury versus Nakamura and Cesaro. But it would kind of feel like Nakamura and Cesaro were just, you know, lambs being taken out to be slaughtered uh, in that scenario. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe there's another big star. I mean, can you imagine if they got Wilder to team with, like, Cesaro or something like that? It'd be incredible. He probably wouldn't do it, though, because he wouldn't want to lose again. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think he'll have a match. I think it should be some kind of a spectacle tag match because here's the thing like with Floyd Mayweather I think the Floyd Mayweather thing was done perfectly because they had every every trick you could possibly imagine first of all they made it kind of a weird rules you know boxer wrestler rules match secondly they used every trick you could possibly come up with to get Floyd Mayweather through that wrestling match because Floyd Mayweather is one of if not the greatest boxers of all time but not a professional wrestler that said, the size differential between the Big Show and Floyd Mayweather would have you believe that, yes, if this were a legitimate competition, Floyd Mayweather would need to pull out every trick in the book. So I think that that is the way to handle it. I think that that was done very, very well. The thing about Tyson Fury is he's enormous. So you can't have this guy pulling out tricks and foreign objects and people in his corner and, you know, having to sneak one by Braun Strowman. This guy is the undefeated heavyweight boxing champion of the world, and he's as big as a house. In order for him to maintain his credibility, we need to 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 believe that he could knock out Braun Strowman. So because of that, I do think that the tag scenario is a little better. Think... uh and I, I think maybe another high-profile person in that position, I don't know who it would be other than Deontay Wilder, but think like when WCW did Carl uh, Malone and DDP versus Hulk Hogan and Dennis Rodman. You know, if you had just done, even though Rodman had a, a, a couple of matches under his belt, I think, maybe he did or I don't remember if he had or not. But if you had just done Rodman versus Carl Malone, it would have been a mess, you know? 
I mean, LT versus Bam Bam Bigelow is probably one of the better wrestler-athlete matches, and that's because LT, I think, was 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 impressive. You know, I thought LT was really good. Um, and of course, Bam Bam Bigelow is one of the greatest of all time. You know, having Bam Bam to walk you through a match is not the worst thing in the world. But I would expect to see Tyson Fury there. I'm not mad at it. I think a tag team match is the way to go. Hey, guys, don't you hate that feeling that you're missing something? Or don't you hate that feeling of maybe getting more than you actually need? What if I told you there was a way to get more Not Sam content and less Not Sam ads? It's patreon.com slash not Sam wrestling. Patreon.com slash not Sam wrestling has become the exclusive home to Thursday, not Sam Thursday. A second not Sam wrestling podcast goes up every single week and you only get it if you are a patron, if you are a not Sam shill at patreon.com slash not Sam wrestling. It's less than a dollar a week, so it's a can't lose scenario. But if you don't want to pay, you just want more content for free. That's fine, too. You can go to YouTube.com slash NotSamWrestling where there are new videos going up every single week. Interviews from the podcast, hot takes from the podcast, everything coming out of the Not Sam studio. It's going up at YouTube.com slash NotSamWrestling. Subscribe to that YouTube page for free while you're on the Internet. Look up wherever you got this podcast from. Leave us a five-star review, a really nice comment. Make it worth your while and ours. I appreciate it. Speaking of uh, WrestleMania weekend and SmackDown, we talked about it on Thursday, not Sam Thursday. It was made official. Uh, the Bella Twins going in to the Hall of Fame. The Bella Twins are the third inductees into the Hall of Fame. Batista, the only individual member so far. You got Batista going in. You've got the NWO going in as Hogan, Hall, Nash, X-Pac. And now you've got the Bella Twins going in. The other rumors that have been circulating on the internet are Jushin Thunder Liger, JBL, and British Bulldog, all of which I think would make for a good class. But the debate rages on, I guess. It's always fun every Hall of Fame season to have people saying this person deserves it, this person doesn't. I mean, you know, as far as the Divas era going into the women's evolution era. It's hard to picture anybody in the women's division having as much of an impact as the Bella Twins did. You know, the Bella Twins might be, I mean, just think, when you think about it, and I've already made the argument, so I'm not going to go on to a whole thing today. But when you think about people who made that impact, people who, who became household names, the Bella Twins are some of the most famous women to have ever been WWE superstars. And, you know, I would say Becky Lynch has crossed over to some extent. Obviously, Ronda Rousey did, but that's because she was famous before she got to WWE. Um, you know, women of the Attitude Era, everybody knows Trish Stratus, Lita, people like that. But the Bella Twins are a different animal. I mean, not only did they accomplish everything that you could accomplish as female athletes in WWE at the time, but, you know, they went out and became celebrities in their own right. A lot of people don't like that argument, though, because they say, what does becoming a celebrity in your own right have to do with the being in the Hall of Fame? You know, I think that part of it is the entertainment part of sports entertainment is still a thing in WWE. The E stands for entertainment. Uh, but that's okay. All that said, 
just in the ring. I don't know what would be left for them to accomplish that they didn't do as female athletes in the era that, that, that they were in. So congratulations to the Bella twins. Um, and speaking of women in super showdown, how about Bailey and Naomi going to super showdown Bailey defending the SmackDown women's championship. I really wonder because when you watched uh, the last international pay-per-view that had the first women's match in Saudi Arabia, which was, uh, Natalia versus Lacey Evans. And I talked to Natalia about this on the podcast. You can go and uh, find the episode. Uh, you not only had a situation where the women were dressed far more conservatively, but they were acting far more conservatively. Natalia coming out, waving to the people. Hello, hello, good to see you. Lacey Evans doing a little bit of her shtick, but not really much of it. Very, very, I mean... She did such little shtick that she was actually forced to turn babyface after the thing. So you wonder, like, I think Bailey will be able to pull that off because now, especially now that she's a bad guy, um, she's she can just come out and be stone-faced and just do her thing. But Naomi, I would have to imagine, if she's going to be toned down, I mean, maybe she won't. Maybe things change every single time. Who knows? But is she going to, you know, ditch the glow-in-the-dark shoes? Is she going to just walk out and not slide out and do all the dancing? And, and you know, obviously the outfit's going to be different, but is is she not going to be able to have big hair? Is she? Who knows? It's such a weird thing. Who knows? But it'll be interesting to see. I'm really glad that Naomi's getting the opportunity to do it, though, with Bailey. Um, I think she's the one. I'm, I was half expecting Carmella to win that match. And for Naomi to be saved for WrestleMania. But that's not to say that Bailey won't beat Naomi and Naomi can still go to WrestleMania to face Bailey. I still think that that's going to be your, your match. I, st- I think that Naomi versus Bailey is the one that makes sense. Like, unless, unless you're going to tell a big story with Sasha Banks and Bailey between now and WrestleMania, but I, j- I, I, I would love to see Sasha Banks versus Bailey, but I don't see it. I think that, and I think that Naomi really deserves the moment. You know, I think having Naomi come back, I don't think anybody expected Naomi's return at the Royal Rumble to cross over as much as it did into mainstream media and to make as big of an impact as it did. You know, I think that, I think that that's something you can't ignore. And, I think that Naomi is uh, pretty underrated. So I, I do think that it should be Bailey versus Naomi at WrestleMania. Um, and I think, yeah, I think the only way you got to get there is maybe you have Bailey defend against somebody else. Maybe maybe that's when Carmella gets her shot at, at the Elimination Chamber. And then after Elimination Chamber, have Naomi come out and say, we've got some unfinished business and start to build towards Naomi versus Bailey at WrestleMania, because I think that's the match, and I think that uh, I wouldn't mind seeing that be the moment that Naomi takes the title myself. I don't know that she will, but we'll see. Hey, uh, we got Charlotte versus Bianca Belair coming up on NXT this week. I think it's going to be another big, fat loss for Bianca Belair. Um, Look, she's done really well at getting herself into these big matches, but I can't imagine that she's going to beat Charlotte, even on NXT TV. 
unless Rhea Ripley comes out and, and does some chicanery. But I think even a bigger deal uh, in the grand scheme of things, in the macro level, is that NXT turned 10 years old this week uh, or last week. I don't know. The NXT is officially 10 years old. And what's interesting is when you say NXT is 10 years old, you start thinking about the early NXT stuff. You start thinking about Seth Rollins becoming the NXT champion. You start thinking about maybe Neville. You start thinking about Big E in the five count. You start thinking about early, early, early Rusev. Early, early, early Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family. Like all that stuff is for me anyway what starts coming into my head when I think about NXT turning 10 years old. But that's not what the legacy of NXT actually is. I mean, that might be what the legacy of NXT is. But in reality, NXT is 10 years old because 10 years ago, NXT, the television show, debuted on the Sci-Fi Network. This was, I believe, Florida Championship Wrestling was still in existence. You know, I think it was two years after NXT was a television show that FCW became NXT and the Performance Center became a thing and it evolved. The original NXT, and I think it's on the WWE Network, is one of my favorite old, especially the first season, my favorite wrestling shows to watch back just because the whole thing is such a train wreck. That was the show where you had eight people, eight guys. I think the first season was all men. Eight guys coming up from FCW. And they were all paired with a pro. And it was like half reality show, half wrestling show, except apparently none of the none of the rookies were ever smartened up to anything that was going to happen. Like I, the first time I interviewed Daniel Bryan, because he was on that first season, and he got eliminated off the first season. The first interview I ever did with him, I talked to him about my favorite moment of the first season of NXT, which is they set up like an obstacle course. And one, they had to run around the ring, and they had to hop over this and jump over that. And one of the things they had to do was hop over the barricade, run up, the stairs in the arena, like the stairs that you would go down, like you enter the concourse of the arena, and then you walk down those concrete stairs if you're sitting on the floor. So you had to go on the floor. This is while the audience was in the building. Had to go through the crowd, up the stairs, over to the merchandise booth, the concessions area, chug a supersized souvenir cup of soda, and then run back down and do all this other stuff. And it was just so funny watching Daniel Bryan. Right, because he's going through all this athletic stuff, and he's breezing through it, and then he runs up the the staircase, no problem, and then he gets to the concession stand, and he just sips, sits there, nursing, sipping. I guess that was a Freudian slip. He sits there, nursing, this RC cola or whatever it was, just in like little sips. It probably took him like I'm sitting there, and I'm going, this is. Cable, like, this is real cable television. I mean, the sci-fi network was everywhere. So on cable television, in primetime, Tuesday at like 9 p.m., you're just sitting there. And a minute to a minute and a half, literally 60 to 90 seconds, maybe not literally, but in my head, 60 to 90 seconds of television is watching Daniel Bryan Sip soda. (laughs) 
Daniel likes soda. <laughs> and you're like, what is this show? That's when Michael Cole started being a heel for the first time. I guess because he could just do whatever he wanted. He was calling Daniel Bryan a geek the whole time. It was great. Michael Cole as a heel broadcaster is about as good as it gets, in my opinion. So many people hated him, but that was the point. Um, but all that said, it was yeah, it was Michael Cole and Josh Matthews doing the commentary. They didn't know what was going on. Matt Stryker was the host. He didn't know what was going on. The wrestlers didn't know what was going on. They are just making it up. It was such a train wreck. Wade Barrett ended up winning the season, um, and that's the season that ended up giving us the Nexus, which was... I mean, for the first few weeks of that, one of the greatest storylines of the era. Didn't pan out, but it was one of the greatest storylines of that era. So, this week we celebrate the 10th anniversary of NXT, and it really is a great life lesson, you know? I mean, we all try new things. We all start somewhere. And a lot of times we get discouraged when this thing that we're starting doesn't look like the success that we want it to look like. You look at NXT TV today. It's the best wrestling show on television, my opinion. You look at NXT TakeOvers. They're the best pay-per-view shows in the world. NXT TakeOvers are the best wrestling shows in the world, my opinion. But look at where it started. It literally started as the worst wrestling show on television. The worst. One of the worst of all time. So... Keep that in mind, too. Let that be a life lesson as you move forward in this game of life. And let it be a, a, a motivational tool. I was also thinking in 10 years, what, what was my favorite era of NXT? And you could argue, you know, that the current era is the best era. I think the only thing that holds a candle to the current era is the, I mean, NXT, I feel like, goes through a new era every year and a half to two years. I feel like 2018 was one of the best times in NXT. The Ciampa Gargano rivalry. That was one of the best times in the history of NXT. But, I mean, based on the takeovers that we're seeing now, based on the matches we're seeing on television, based on the growth of the brand, you got an NXT Women's Championship match happening at WrestleMania. You have NXT on television two hours in primetime every single week. It's tough to argue. We might be living through the best era. We're always. I mean, NXT really only improves. You're kind of always living through the best era of NXT. It's really unbelievable. But 2018 was a very special time, too. Uh, speaking of eras, last week we talked about what era we're in based on that Ruthless Aggression documentary series that was on the network. The John Cena episode is up now, too, and I believe there'll be a new one up today. Uh, might already be up by the time this podcast comes up. Uh, but I posted a thing on Instagram. Um about what the podcast was, naming the new era. And I got a whole bunch of responses. Uh, one person said the network era is a good name for the era prior to this one, which is true, and I've heard people say that before. But I also think that the network era makes it seem like, like the network, again, it's not, to me, eras are defined by the, the search for a new star. And the network era is like saying the entertainment era is, you might as well just say the WWE era. It's the era where the company is bigger than the superstar, which, you know, the attitude era, you think about Stone Cold, you think about The Rock, the ruthless aggression era, you think about John Cena, you think about Brock Lesnar. You know what I mean? The new generation, you think about Shawn Michaels, you think about Bret Hart, maybe you think about Big Daddy Cool. I do. But the network era, you just think about 
the WWE Network. You think yeah, it's 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 a different thing for me. Uh, Hops thinks that the Takeover era makes the most sense to me. The best on the brands all cut their WWE teeth on Takeover, right? And the other person is saying uh, the NXT era, which is I I, I think you could make uh, a a case for that. Some people think that it'll be the NXT era because all of the stars now are coming from NXT, which is true. I just, I, I mean, I think that what you really need is you need a star that embodies that spirit. And that's kind of what your era is. You know what I mean? To me, naming an era is incomplete if you don't have a star that exemplifies that era. That's just my opinion. That's what I think. Um, if you look over the Patreon page, uh, let's see. Max said, uh, rightly says that Mandy Rose has some agency and blame in this, immediately trashes his own point by saying Otis screwed Otis. Okay, look, that goes back to the conversation with Otis and Mandy that I had, uh, I believe, on Thursday, not Sam Thursday, which is very simply... Uh, Otis is at fault because he showed up late to the date. A lot of people were pointing out the text message came through and everything, but still, you got to pay attention. Uh, The point is that if you're going to blame, I said, here is my point. If you're going to blame either Mandy or Dolph, it's Mandy's fault, not Dolph's fault. But at the end of the day, it's Otis's fault for falling asleep behind the wheel. That's all. That's all I was saying. Going over to NotSamWrestling at gmail.com. You got any questions? Uh, any comments about the podcast that you want us to get to on the air, notsamwrestling at gmail.com is the email address. Uh, who's this? Sam says, I completely agree with you. When you say that errors are defined by who the big stars are, it's plain common sense to me. It's easy to look into the past and cement where the historic bookends are. This era begins here and ends here. It's a clear-cut disassociated conclusion. It happened. It's in the books. It's so much more difficult to define an era when you're in it. I believe you're right. We're in the Brock Lesnar era. You mentioned John Cena, and you clearly defined the John Cena era before you posed the question and thought, what's next? The night after once in a lifetime, we saw the return of Brock Lesnar. Ever since then, Brock Lesnar has been consistent. Yeah. Brock's return, the Undertaker streak broken. Look, it's tough. And he says, we had the CM Punk era from 2010 to 2012 to 2013. I don't think so. I think that was still the John Cena era. I don't, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't think, I don't, I don't, CM, the CM Punk thing, it was his for a moment. And his title reign was that, but, I mean, that was one of his complaints, that the whole time he was champion, you still had John Cena headlining pay-per-views. You know what I mean? So, you know, I, I I don't think that CM Punk actually got an era. I think CM Punk's time was within John Cena's era. But the Brock Lesnar era is a good point because realistically, after once in a lifetime, John Cena only wrestled in the main event of WrestleMania one other time, and that was for twice in a lifetime. Um, other than that, he's not been in the main event Brock Lesnar has been in main events at WrestleMania. I don't think you're going, again, I don't think you're going to define this era by Brock Lesnar because there are so many gaps. I think that's the only thing that's holding this back from being the Brock Lesnar era is that there are so many gaps 
that when you think about everything that's happened in the last five years, you think about Brock Lesnar, but you also think about all the other stuff that Brock Lesnar wasn't around for. So I guess I guess I guess you're right, Sam. Time will tell. Uh, let's go to uh, oh yeah, this was the other one. Uh, Michael, he rated, he wrote, I listened to the podcast and you think about what era we're in. I'll tell you, brother, we're in the NXT era. Think about it. Our current product is being fed by NXT. The Shield, Bray Wyatt, Drew, Alexa, Kevin Owens, Samojo, Becky, Charlotte, etc. It's all from NXT. That system has changed the game. It's the lifeblood of the roster. In the last 10 years, only one top superstar has not gone through NXT. AJ Styles. That's true. That's very, very true. But once they become top stars on the main roster, do you think about their NXT time anymore? I think that the thing about becoming a top star on Raw or SmackDown is you become a WWE superstar. And once you become a WWE superstar, it becomes all-encompassing. We don't think about Drew, uh, 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 AJ Styles and his time in TNA. We don't think about his, his time on the independents. We don't think about any of that stuff. We look at AJ Styles as a WWE superstar, and that's why he's been able to be a top guy. You can go down the list of all of those. I mean, Bray Wyatt, you don't think of as an NXT guy. The Shield, you don't really think of as NXT guys. Drew McIntyre, you don't. Alexa Bliss is, I mean, she was a shell of herself in NXT. I don't, I think, I don't, Becky Lynch, not at all. Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe, you don't think about their NXT time anymore. So, you know, that the, the, you could make that argument, but you could also say that the NXT juju doesn't stick with them. And it's interesting that you bring up that point because I agree with you there that NXT has created this amazing, this cornucopia of amazing talent. But there's a lot of skeptics that think that going from NXT to the main roster is a bad thing. There's a lot of people that sit there and instead of pointing out all those names that you just mentioned, Michael, they point out all the people that didn't pan out. They point out, you know, the uh, 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 the ascensions of the world. You know, all the people that, that come, the Nakamura's to some extent of the world. The people who are world champions in NXT and don't achieve those heights on the main roster. I think that NXT, I, I, I mean, I, I think that this era for WWE is really at the end of the day. I'm calling it the Disney era. Because this is the era when WWE has expanded beyond just being one thing. That's why it's so hard to come up with what this is. Because the WWE isn't just one thing anymore. The WWE is finally the entertainment company that they always wanted to be. The WWE is this network of content. The WWE is three brands. One of which is completely different from any of the other two. I'm talking about NXT. WWE is is has got promotions now globally with NXT UK and and plans to go elsewhere. You know, WWE is is WWE is a is a content manufacturer, and I think that that's a different place for them to be in. And I think that that's what makes this era such a very very unique era. But it makes it exciting to talk about, and it makes it a good time to do a podcast on each and every week. Don't forget, if you think one a week is not enough, there's a second Not Sam Wrestling every single week, Thursday, Not Sam Thursday. Some of you are still wondering, hey, what happened to the second show? Well, apparently you don't listen to the first show enough to realize 
The Thursday Not Sam Thursday is exclusively available on Patreon. Depending on where you're at on Patreon, you could watch me record this show live in the studio each and every week. But no matter what tier you are on Patreon, and I said watch, not listen, watch live. No matter what tier you are on Patreon, it starts for less than $1 a week. You can get the show early. You can get the show ad-free. You can also get the additional Thursday, not Sam Thursday show every single week. So enjoy that. Sign up at patreon.com slash not Sam wrestling. Please subscribe on YouTube at youtube.com slash not Sam wrestling. And we will see you next week right here on, you guessed it, not Sam wrestling. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.